0: Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Rev. Todd Laddick, and today I'm bringing you part two of a four-part series entitled Living Faith, with today's message specifically entitled Do No Harm, uh, based off of James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. So, let us dive into the Word today. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And A small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even, through the, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Amen. Hmm. I think uh, James is saying, enough with being salty. Enough with being salty. And rightfully so. Now, words hold the power of life and death. What you say actually matters. It really matters what you say. It is important that you speak life when you speak and that you back up your words with actions. If God wants something to happen, the door will open. There won't be any fighting uh, necessary to force them open. The doors will just open. Let me say it again. If God wants something to happen, the doors will open. There won't be any fighting necessary to force them open. They will just open. Those are the words I remember a former pastor of mine saying to me. It was 2005 and I still could not find a job. And I was worried that I would never be able to uh, get through my schooling on one income. I was trying and trying and trying and trying to get a job, to no avail. I tried to start my own business, epic fail. Tried to get hired by A&P, epic fail. Tried to get hired by Burger King, epic fail. Everywhere I looked, things turned up dry. So I was sitting there across the desk from my pastor in his office, and I was venting about the trouble I was having trying to find a job. I mean, it's frustrating if you've ever been in this position. And and it was really frustrating for me because I had gone to Chubb Institute. I had... Uh, built a portfolio, had worked for uh, you know, about a year in the field, but, but a year isn't enough, you see, you have to have five years of experience, and uh, so everywhere I went to try to find a job in my line of work, I couldn't find a job because I didn't have enough experience and then when I tried to find jobs that were quote-unquote beneath my paid grade, I couldn't find a job either, so, so everywhere I looked, things turned up dry it's a vicious cycle So there I was, sitting across from the desk from my pastor in his office, venting about this, and his response was this, why do you assume you need a job? Maybe God doesn't want you to have a job right now. Maybe that's not where you ought to be focusing. If God wants something to happen, the doors will open. There won't be any fighting necessary to force them open. They will just open wow, I had never even stopped to consider what God wanted. I was so sure I needed a job in order to do what God wanted me to do, there was no two ways about it. Except there was, or there were. And as it turned out, I stopped looking for a job and trusted that God would get us through. And you know what? God did. And later on, I not only entered and got through seminary, but during that time, I also worked as a substitute teacher. You heard me right. Once I put my focus back on God and trusted God again and put my trust back in God, then God blessed me with the very thing I was fighting to have. A job. Now, it might not have worked that way, It could have worked out any number of ways. And I would have had no way of knowing if it would work that way or not. In fact, I didn't think it was going to work that way. I thought I just was going to go through school without a job. But I trusted God would get us through no matter what happened. And God did. But those words from my pastor at the time, wow. Powerfully impactful words. And I follow that wise advice to this day when discerning God's will. And I advise people similarly when the time arises. Yeah. So I want you to invite, I want, excuse me, I want to invite you to reflect for a moment on a time in your life when something someone really said stuck with you. Perhaps in the church. James chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 focuses on the role and responsibility of teachers, specifically uh, Christian teachers. And what we say about God in public is given a lot of weight. If we, as public figures, are misdirecting people, we are doing harm. So it is important that teachers and preachers try their best in their public ministry of the word. False teaching in churches can do great harm, and it is not a job to be taken lightly. In fact, I'm nervous every time I stand up to preach. Why? Because I take it seriously, because I want to make sure that what I say is faithful to what God teaches us in Scripture and what the church has taught us throughout the past two millennia. When James admonishes not many to become teachers, he is highlighting the importance of of humility. We all think we could be great teachers, but how many of us could be great teachers or preachers? Let's be honest. We don't have it all figured out. Not even I have it all figured out. And yes, we will all make mistakes. But if we recognize that what we say matters and the potential harm our words can cause, we can move forward. In humility. And this is related to the connection between personal and social holiness we discussed last week. The words we speak as individuals, especially as leaders, do not just stay with us, they have a social impact. And here's the kicker because people know we are Christian, non Christians look to us as authorities in Christianity. I'll say that again, because people know we are Christian. Non-Christians look to us as authorities in Christianity. So you may not think you're a teacher, but believe me, when you say you're a Christian to the non-Christian, you are a teacher, whether you realize it or not. You don't have to like that, but it is true. To non-Christians, You are a Christian leader. You represent Jesus Christ. There should be weight that you're feeling to that. James chapter 3 verses 5 through 12 moves from discussing the speech of teachers to the power of words in general. Because James gets that whether you are a leader in the church or just the average Joe attending, people see you as a Christian. People see Jesus Christ in you, and if you're representing Jesus Christ to be somebody like Tony Soprano, uh, or you know, go worse from there, then you're probably, you know probably giving a bad witness to Jesus Christ and causing people to stumble and fall further into sin and possibly bring them to destruction. So words have power. And James uses many analogies to describe this. We can all use our words to wound or kill or to heal. Words are powerful. Many people say they many people say they quote unquote love God but hate the church. Now why do you think that is? Let's be honest. Many people have been hurt by the church. In fact, I know of people who no longer attend my very church that I serve because they've been burned and hurt by it, not intentionally, But people are people, and sometimes we say and do things that are hurtful. Sometimes we, as Christians, just and just as people, cause harm to others with our words. And sometimes we cause harm because our words and actions or attitudes do not match up with who we say we are. And as James points out, we can praise God on Sunday and then say hurtful things about uh, and two other people, all of whom are made in the very image of that same God we praised the day before. Or we can say things that sound nice and then act in a way that contradicts our words and or simply fails to live up to them. You know, like, God is love, but darn it, get out of our country. <laughs> god says love the foreigner but not on this day pal turn around right like and that's just one example common example Uh, think about all the ways in which we as Christians even simpler than that don't live up to who we say we are for instance we may say we're Christians but you know we're okay with being dishonest at work or we may say we're Christian right But we don't have a problem telling someone to go you know where if we get angry at them. There is a deep sense of hypocrisy because of this very thing. The same mouth should not be both a blessing and a cursing. That The same mouth should not be blessing and cursing at the same time, period. You can't be... a a, a representative of jesus christ and a representative of the devil you're one or the other you you can't represent this world and represent god you've got to pick one or the other so we should not be blessing or and cursing you either do one or you do the other Are, are you a mouth that's going to bless people or are you a mouth that's going to curse them Now, John Wesley, the founder of the United Methodist Church, came up with uh, general rules, three of them for that matter, for the people who gathered to work out their salvation. Uh, And these rules are actually still in the United United Methodist Book of Discipline today. And the first rule, the first general rule for the people who gathered to work out their salvation is to do no harm. Do no harm. No harm. Now, part of doing no harm is not just our actions towards other people, but also our words and having our words and actions say the same thing. And Wesley gives examples. For instance, avoid uncharitable or unprofitable conversation, particularly speaking evil of magistrates or ministers. Believe it or not, scripture and Christian theology alike begs respect for leaders. Though we are called to stand up against anyone commanding us to go against God. God first, but we should show respect to people in authority. They've been put there by us and by God. Now that doesn't mean they always do what they should do. And God deals with them when that happens, as should we. But we should have a general respect for leaders. As our salvation bears fruit or produces goodness in the world, it should change the way we talk about and to people. And we need to pay attention to how we talk in civil, and I stress the word civil, discourse. How we express our opinions and listen to others with different viewpoints. When we simply complain or insult our opponents, it shuts down communication. So let's pause to do this. Consider thinking about the most recent time in your life when tensions were high. What did you say in that situation? How did your words contribute to the tension or cause harm? What needs to happen now to reconcile or prevent that from happening again? I want to challenge you to think about how others receive your words when you are deciding if and how to express something. Is there a time when people misunderstood you? And what is our church known for in our community? Let's get back to the church. What's our church known for in our community? Now, if you're in my community, you can... You can answer that question knowing the community that that I'm serving in. In a different community than the one I'm in, uh, ask the question regarding your, your faith community. What is our or your church known for in the community? Our mission is the following. We uh, transform the world with God's love by being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Our vision in our church is reaching and serving all people with God's message of hope. Do we live up to our mission and vision? What is the mission and vision at the church you, you, you attend? Does your community live up to it? How do our words and actions as a church impact the community we are a part of? Would the community miss us if we closed? Many people have had bad experiences with the church in the past, which has given them a bad impression of it. The question for us is how can we work to change that? How can we be a community that celebrates who they are in Christ rather than denigrates what the church is because it is not what you prefer it to be? Let me ask that question again. How can we be a community that celebrates who we are in Christ rather than denigrates what the church is because it is not what you prefer it to be? How can we be a community that welcomes people with encouraging words as opposed to negative perceptions? How can we support the current ministries of the church, even if they may look different than what once was? How can we avoid scaring people off with bitterness, gossip, and judgment? Often people like or love Jesus, but hate the church. How many times I hear, well, I'm spiritual, but I don't believe in organized religion. How can we act and speak to be more Christ-like? Because the last thing we want is for us to be the reason someone does not come to know Jesus. Amen? Let us avoid that at all costs, and let us continue to do no harm as we do ministry in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this opportunity to be challenged to grow more thoughtful in how we converse with people how we communicate and to use our words wisely so that we can do as little damage and as little harm as possible. We thank you and praise you for guiding us in this and in all things in Jesus name. Amen. Friends, I'd like to thank you for coming and uh tuning in to this uh to this uh message. As always, check out the episode notes. You will see that um there are plenty of links in there uh, Two of the links are to Tithely and PayPal. If this is your main spiritual feeding for the week and this is your worship, so to speak, uh, then uh, we would love for you to to certainly uh, support our church. It helps us continue to do the ministries that we're doing. Um, and uh, your support would be greatly appreciated and is needed. Uh, as for uh, as for uh, if this is just supplemental and you attend another uh worship uh community then then by all means support that community and if you have it in you to support both i'm sure both of us would be grateful but in all things remember you are richly blessed so that you may be a blessing to others go in peace